Welcome to Football School. I am Tate Frazier. He is Charlie Hume, and we are here to celebrate a W. Finally, North Carolina, the South's oldest rivalry, comes home to the North Carolina Tar Heels. And today we have a very special show. We have former quarterback and ACC UNC legend TJ Yates coming on the show. But first and foremost, we got to celebrate this win. We, we, we must celebrate this win. And actually, I experienced a moment on Sunday morning that I, it's got to be up there. This is not just for Carolina fans. Any fan of any sport can relate to this moment that I had. So mm. I was driving back from a bachelor party in Maryland. And That's just right. A, a you, quick, you were yeah, you were being a good friend this weekend. You weren't even weren't at the game. You were watching the game on your phone. I mean, this is this is dedication. I, I was in Deep Creek Lake, Maryland, which is a surprisingly <laughs> fun place to vacation. Who knew? Okay. Uh, and and so I was. And, and by the way, I'm now two and zero. Carolina football is two and zero when I'm on bachelor parties. Uh, you're one and zero. Because yeah. the last one we were on was your brother's bachelor party in Montreal, the famous Florida State Nick uh, Weiler, Nick Weiler yes. kick and chop, but iconic Carolina football moment. So think about North Carolina football. We've thrown the U down. We've done the chop against Florida State in the building. That's why they're so bad now. We killed both those programs. We did. We did the anti gigum in the Orange yes. Bowl last year. We're, Texas they're A&M. not dead yet. We're working well, on them. Texas but, is going to the SEC, so that was us. We we helped allude to that. There you go. We, that was it. We <laughs> set Josh Downs was the first domino there. Yeah. But hey, listen, if you Matt guys have bachelor parties. You want to invite Tate and I, just pick a good weekend. Like, if anyone's got one October 30th for Notre Dame weekend, Ooh. we are there with bells on. Mm. Um, so, so I was driving back from this bachelor party, and I'd crossed, I'd just crossed the border from West Virginia into Virginia. And I pulled into a gas station, and I saw at, at, at one of the pumps, there was a couple decked out in Virginia Tech gear, full Virginia Tech gear, fresh off their loss against West Virginia. Mm. Not so far away, there was a smug-looking... West Virginia fan wearing a camo hat, smoking a cigarette outside the gas station, just kind of eavesdropping on the sad conversation. Minden's finest, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you know, just a classic. I don't need to tell you anything more about this man. He's wearing a camo West Virginia hat and smoking yes. a cigarette. So you can just draw the rest of your conclusions from there. So I pull into the pump, and I'm, of course, wearing my Carolina football shirt, right? Yes. And this is and this is one of those, to just to, to continue the detours here, I do this all the time. Maybe you're the same way. When I go on a trip and my team is playing that weekend, I exclusively pack my team's clothing, <laughs> and it can only go one of two ways. It's, it's either insanely depressing, like trudging through an airport, and they're like mothers oh, pulling their children back, yeah. like, hey, like, don't say anything to that guy. He might just like blow up at a moment's notice. Or you win the game, and it's amazing. You're proudly flying your colors, your flag. So I'm, I, I park my car, and I, I go to start fueling it, and I hop out. And the wife of Virginia Tech man turns to me and says, hey, congrats on the win last night. You oh, guys played really well. Congrats. I love it. And I, I promise you, I could have stayed there for 45 minutes and talked to this woman because there is nothing better than getting congratulated on a win for a, a game you played zero downs in, probably drank <laughs> like a bunch of really crappy light beer for the entirety of the game and just yelled at the TV set. But you get to you get to bask in the glow of that win, yeah. and it was it was it was great to get that sort of you know kudos from a fellow ACC fan. There's just, there's just nothing like wearing your team's colors, your team's logo, and, and, and on the the the, the backside of a big win, feeling that sort of congratulations. And so that is that it gives you absolutely nothing in the way of game analysis, <laughs> and we'll get into that. But I just wanted to start there that we're talking about basking in the glow of the win. Yeah. That moment just validated it all for me. It's like we are back. With a capital B, Carolina football is back. And the good news is that you know Virginia Tech lost to West Virginia. Like you said, they they showed some fight in that game. 
but maybe that hurts their confidence a little bit. They're not going to coast through the Coastal as many would ex would expect after they beat North Carolina at home. That would be great for us. This is obviously a big win for North Carolina when we talk about Coastal implications because, as we said, as we know, the formula is simple. You win the Coastal, you go to the ACC championship game, you beat the Clemson Tigers, and you go to that playoff, folks. That's how you get it done. It's, it's a three-step process. Mac is back with step one for us. Now we just got to win the Coastal, and then we got to knock off Clemson, and then we got to get to that playoff. Um, and it all starts with our, our three stars of this week, Charlie, right? I mean, we're going to argue and probably fight over which one is going to be Ram of the Week, but let's start with Sam Howell, who is turned into the next Lamar Jackson. That's what that's what everyone on the ACC Network kept saying. They kept saying two things all night, Charlie. One, they kept saying the South's oldest rivalry. And I, I, I'm not sure, but I give myself a little bit of credit for making that such a thing because I... I don't hear. I didn't hear people say it until they said it a hundred times during this broadcast. And then also that Sam Howe is the next Lamar Jackson. So I think we could start there. Those are two big W's for us. Two big W's. <laughs> Let's start with the South's oldest rivalry because yeah. you put together as you do on mm. social platforms a beautiful sort of visual pictorial collage <laughs> of various South's oldest rivalry photos that really kind of. I'm a visual I, learner. You know what I mean? That's all. I, I mean. wasn't in the mood until I saw that tweet and I was like, all right, I'm in the mood now. This is South's oldest rivalry. Like I'm, I'm, I'm ready for this. I so, like that coat from 1950. That, that guy was wearing a legit bear. I mean, I think he was the Virginia fan because it was at Scott stadium. But if you didn't see this, this was the 1950 uh, pamphlet for the game. And uh, the, the guy in the photo is, is a guy who literally is wearing a, a bear. It would be what, uh, Frank Lucas was wearing, you know, an American gangster. You know, it was the very loud jacket. We need that jacket on this show as well. I, I've long wondered where you find your photos, but I don't want you to tell me because I like being surprised. So yeah, yeah, yeah. just congrats on that. Love that. Set the scene. And then it, it's called let's Google, talk about guys. It's not hard. You got it. <laughs> that's just that's it just I, takes, I'm gonna pretend it just I takes didn't hear that. It takes time to care about the South Oldest rivalry. That's the difference. You know what I mean? That's the distinct difference that you're going to trudge through. Your it's our culture versus theirs. Exactly. You know, I mean, that's exactly. all I got to say. Who's about tougher? That. Who's tougher? But but going to Sam Howell, who. This is now his second straight game with, with more than 100 rushing yards. There, there was a quote today, and shout out to Inside Carolina's Gregory Hall on nice. Twitter who, who jotted this quote down and tweeted it out. Uh, Mac Brown said, I don't want a quarterback ever again that can't run. Mm. And boy, does he have one right now. I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, the, the, as we kind of delve deeper into this game, one of the huge, amazing bright spots, like we talked about last week with our Rams of the Week about how the receivers had a poor game, the first game against Virginia Tech, and then corrected it against Georgia State. Mm. And the run game was another one we were still kind of worried about. And boy, did they correct it, you know, against Virginia. You know, Tyson Chandler nearly runs for 200 yards. Caleb Hood in his first real showing at the position scores a touchdown, has a 7.3 uh, yards per carry average. And Sam goes for more than 100 again. So, you know, would I like to see him running the ball at this rate probably not long term but it, right now he's healthy and they're winning games so yeah. I, I don't have too much of an issue to take with it and they opened the game with Sam on like a 12 yard run and I think that really set the tone and kind of opened up the game for the receivers and I like that Longo had, had kind of came into this game and accepted the fact that our number one threat as a running team is going to be with Sam with the football in his hands and like you're saying we can't that can't be the long-term option but it also gives the confidence to Chandler and to Hood to say hey I don't actually have to carry this rushing load because Sam is going to be such a vital part of this and then to open the game and kind of set the tone and do that thought that was really good Hood you know getting into the 10 yard line and closer as we're in the red zone 
we needed a, a power back. You know, we needed someone to replace Javante because Javante was so good at finishing drives and making sure that we got six instead of three. And I think that's a real big focus when you look at, you know, this Carolina team and the, the steps that they've made to be or trying to be an elite program. It's being able to make sure they score touchdowns when they get inside the red zone. Caleb Hood, he was great. You know, when Virginia came out and they said before this game that they were going to wear us out, the culture was going to, you know, was going to be the thing that would be the distinct difference. It was kind of poetic in the end that it was North Carolina that was able to sustain and endure. And guys like Caleb Hood and Ty Chandler show that they were the more physical backs. And, and UVA can run the football and they had 24 yards. So you got to give credit to our that- D line. As much as we gave up so many yards in the passing game, we did shut down the run game. Yeah, I'll put it to you this way, all right? From all the quotes we heard earlier in the week about who was going to, you know, Virginia was going to outlast us, we weren't going to be able to sustain it. You tell me which rush attack you'd rather have. The one where your quarterback went for more than 100, your running back one went for almost 200, and Caleb Hood, your third running back, scored a touchdown ramp for 66 yards. Or would you rather be Virginia, who had 22 carries for 24 (laughs) yards, which is a 1.1 yard per carry average, and even if you're gratuitous and you remove the three sacks for a loss of 17 yards. That's a 19 carry for 41 yards total for a 2.2 yard per carry average. Not great. So, Not great. I mean, we'll we'll delve into the defense as we, as we get a little, you know, further on, but for as good of a game as Brennan Armstrong had and he had an amazing game, that run you know, I know I know they're I'm not even going to attempt to say their running back's last name. Talapapa is is about yeah. as close as I'm going to get. I was calling him Tilapia. I'm not going to lie. So the 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 whitefish we'll call him if he is tilapia <laughs> indeed. Uh, he he I know he went out injured. He actually had a, an amazing stat line. He had one touchdown, but a total of negative one yards rushing. Yeah. Uh. So I mean, the the point being that they could not run the ball at all. And while Brennan's you know total numbers in terms of yards were far far surpassed Sam's. Uh, you know the, the the balance we had there between the rushing and the passing attack was really just what helped us outlast virginia they could not sustain it (laughs) yeah we need roman to sponsor this segment this is the 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 endure segment yeah the enduring segment that we have here uh north carolina team we will endure uh sam howe ty chandler josh downs all acc players of the week i mean i think that's that says a lot right there and then also marcus mckeithen on the offensive line is also an acc player of the week on the o-line so Across the board, you know, we talk about being a football school. You got to win the awards within your conference first and foremost. So for this team to make a statement against the coastal rival, a team, you know, Virginia, they look like they wanted to be our rivals, right? I mean, how many shots did they take on Sam Howell? You know what I mean? When he was being stood up that it was very, in my opinion, very uncharacteristic of the Virginia that I know. But I think it came down to that culture war that was happening within this game, and North Carolina wasn't taking the bait. I mean, Josh Downs, we've seen this. There was a video that got you know surfaced, yes. resurfaced uh, after the game, and has been shared around now. But there's a video of Blunt uh, on I think Blount or Blunt, whatever it is, whatever his last we name don't, is. We on. don't care to pronounce his last name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't know. We don't know. But all we know is that he was trying to tee off on Josh Downs, who's a friend of the show. We Josh Downs, eight catches, 203 yards. Uh, the PFF, uh, PFF College Offensive Player of the Week, ACC Player of the Week, as I said. But again, he was getting, you know, unnecessarily hit, you know, after the whistle. I mean, Blunt ran into the ref after he hit Downs yeah. on, on one of these hits <laughs> that's been going around. So, I mean, it, it this was a tough game for North Carolina, and they were able, like, like I said, not to take the bait and just get the W and get out of there clean. Without, that- I mean, I guess as clean as you can with taking those hits. The hit you're referencing, and by the way, huge shout out to at 
BKC Heel. I think I've done that correctly yes. on Twitter. Who is who is the, the man who he he he? <laughs> Thank he, you, DVR. <laughs> he, he 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 DVR'd this game and he rewatched it as every good Carolina fan does, exactly. and, as and my he, parents do, as my brother does, as, as you do, as everyone I know does. Yeah, but you got to rewatch it. But I, I will put my hand up and say I'm a very light rewatch. Like yeah. I kind of have it on. I'm doing other things. I just want to kind of I just want to remember the moments that I really love and enjoy. But BKC Heel, that man was breaking <laughs> down the tape, and yes. so he took us to okay. It was second eleven. It was a handoff to Ty Chandler. We were up 38 to 31 at that point. And I think I think it, it, it's the handoffs going to the left and downs is kind of like jogging in that direction diagonally across the field. Yeah, he's running like a mesh route, but he's already given up on it because obviously the you know the running back has the football, so the play is dead for him. You know, he he's basically stopping down. And with his head turned, uh Blunt Blount, whatever his name is, <laughs> just absolutely like targeting tees off on him, blindsides him. And, and and you mentioned it. The part of it that was the most absurd to me is the the, the referee essentially gets tabletopped and doesn't think for a second, like, hey, I wonder I wonder how this happened. When when the, the all the action is is 15 yards to the left of me and up the field, why on earth am I getting tabletopped by Josh Downs with this with with you know this this blunt guy coming, you know, flying in like a missile past me? Yeah. Like, okay, probably can't be a flag. And and you know what? I'll be really by the time this podcast gets published. I will be curious as if ACC has taken some sort of action for this because you just every every direction the game is going in terms of player safety, in terms of head injuries, like there are a lot of things that I think we complain about and we over litigate during the games. You know, what was he trying to lead with his head, or are we watching this in slow mo and it was tough for him to avoid the hit? This is inexcusable. It's a hundred percent dirty. It has no. It, it, it's not even like it'd be one thing if Sam had thrown a pick. And, and Downs hadn't reacted fast enough, and now Blunt's turning around to block going on the field. He was just he was just basically upset that he'd been torched all night long by Josh Downs and wanted to see if he could knock him out of the game through injury. And yeah. that's just reprehensible. It just can't he, happen. He, he was quite literally just trying to knock him out of the game. I mean, there was no other reason for him to do what he did unless he was trying to knock him out of the game. And I think that's why it is so reprehensible, like you said. And if you watch this clip, and look, when you do things in slow motion and, and you cut things out without context, I understand that can be. But this, this is no misconstrued. There's no reason for this to even be a part of the football play at all because like we said Josh Downs has stopped even running because the play is dead for for him so I mean yes it's live action but it's also it's not even close to the football so it's just it is a dirty play across the board and you know that's not Virginia so that that's what I mean by that I mean it didn't make any sense for Virginia to be behaving in the way that they did but it does make sense when you think about this whole culture war idea and them being you know as my as my dad used to say when I was younger my dad was my coach you know it's like are you hurt or are your feelings hurt because Blunt goes out of this game you know and <laughs> it seemed like his feelings were hurt like you said he's getting torched all night Josh Downs I mean eight catches 203 yards 25 yards an average every single catch and every time he caught the football Charlie I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I thought he was going to score. And the, the closest comparison I could come up with as I watched him in this specific game, not saying he's going to be this guy, but it was Tyreek Hill level. I mean, every time he caught the ball, it was like the Jets and he was gone. And uh, I was calling him and Sam 7-11. I mean, it's open all day. By the way, like that is a fan that, you know, you, I, I applaud you for the pictures, but but you're also you're great with the nicknames, man. You're great yeah. with the branding. So you know we're we're gonna do a little patting ourselves on the back on this podcast because that was Seven Eleven. I love that combo. And, we need and T-shirts. I think that, That's the next he, move. He, well, he, he, and here's the thing about about what you're talking about here is like 
does it seem like a little bit of hyperbole to compare Josh Downs to Tyreek Hill? Like maybe right now, but remember when you and I were texting and talking about Sam Howell's true freshman year and, and talking about how this guy is a Heisman, should, you know, should be in the Heisman race and everything. We said he was Lamar Jackson crazy. before everybody else, yeah. <laughs> it's like, they, look at where he is now. And I think Josh Downs, he got like – a fair amount of run last year, got like most of it kind of towards the end of the year when, when you know, Daz and Diami, or, or I, I shouldn't say, I think it was just Diami who opted out of the bowl game and Daz played in that game. Yeah, Daz played. But, you know, and, and, and then he had a big game against AM. But we're seeing him as the true number one offensive weapon on this team this year. And I completely agree with you. Every time he touches the ball, he's a, he's a game breaker in a classic yeah. sense. Like, just get the ball in his hands and let him try to find a Percy way to Percy Harvin. Something. I mean, there's, there's certain guys like right. that where it's like, if you get them the football, if they can catch the football, then the rest will probably work itself out. And the the defense, like that's why Blunt tees off on him because the defense yeah. knows if we can take this guy out of the game, it, it's it's a wrap. It it, it kind of reminds me, and you know, not to bring things back to basketball because again, we're a football school, but the way that Steph Curry and I argue this with lots of people all the time, they're like, why is why do you think Steph Curry is so great? Is it just because he shoots threes? And it's like, no, it's not because he just shoots threes. It's because he takes so much attention away from the defense because he's such a weapon. And Josh Downs is, is a very similar thing when you look at this North Carolina offense. I mean, he attracts so much attention. You have to know where number 11 is every single – if you're the defensive coordinator, eventually may, maybe they, they'll figure this out, but, like, you should worry about number 11. And that, that says a lot about what Josh Downs can bring to the table. And obviously in this game, we saw – I don't even think we saw the full arsenal of him. He had nine targets. He should have 15 targets. You know, I love Emory Simmons to death. He was my Ram of the Week last week, but five of his targets, maybe we give to Josh Downs and see what happens. <laughs> well, I think about this, too. It's like we're like – because I 100% agree with you. Every time I'm watching us, I'm like, how can we get Josh Downs the ball more? But then you go and look at the box score, and you're like, we had 14 receptions last night, yeah. and eight of them were to Josh Downs. Like yeah. it's like you, it, it, it's actually it's kind of hard to wrap your brain around. It's like they're probably trying, they're, they're probably getting him the ball like as much as they possibly can, but you still you want more. So I, I mean, it, it's it's gr it's so great to see an offense like that 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 was so highly kind of touted coming into the year to be finally feeling like it's it's you know firing on all cylinders. And and on the flip side of that too. The defense, you know, I think that, you know, you give up 39 points, probably not your best showing, but they had they, 554 they made some kind of yards for, for Armstrong. I mean, he was, uh, I mean, Mac Brown said it after the game. I mean, he did play an incredible game. And as much as, you know, Virginia fans, you know, say whatever about, you know, North Carolina football, they were talking a lot of trash before. I had nothing but respect for Brennan Armstrong. And I love that Mac Brown, sure. our coach, goes after, you know, after the game up to him and congratulates him and, and, and tells him what a great game he played. But like you said, our defense, Rucker, when he finally got that sack on him, it was like a celebration, I think, for everybody watching that game as a Carolina fan because they could not get Armstrong to, to throw the ball away. They could, get, they could not get pressure on him. And finally, we get a sack late in this game for Rucker. And I think that was like the moment that the defense finally got to celebrate something. Yeah, and I think there are a couple things here where, uh, you know, you can't pin the full 39 on the defense in some spots. Like, yeah. I the think Sam that, pick, uh, obviously, was a huge moment. Sam's pick, you know, you, you, that's that's a huge swing. And and, but, and and I think you also, you look at the, the spots where they, they came up with some turnovers. Uh, you know, Jacorius Conley had an interception. What with an the, unbelievable with, pick. I mean, he just come – you talk about like an absolute – Love on his hand. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolute freak. I, I, like just like, reads that it's gonna be he, like he just reads Brendan Armstrong's eyes and just basically sprints out to go try to make this play and then actually actually makes the play which uh, it's one thing to have the instincts but it's the other yeah. thing to have the athleticism to execute the instincts 
I love Conley. He gives me Zach Brown vibes when I just talk about like I can see that he anticipates what's about to happen and he is fast enough. He runs like a four four. I feel like. I mean, maybe he doesn't when they actually clock it, but on the field, he's got that kind of speed. I mean, that he, fe- it feels like four four speed, and I love <laughs> so much that we have like Josh Downs and Jacorius Conley are so cool. I mean, this, <laughs> yeah. is, this has nothing to do Sub-Zero. with actually playing a football, but yeah, sub zero, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah, that yeah. Here's a little free promo. Like, go to go find Jacorius Conley's Sub Zero website and buy one of his uh, his sweatshirts or something. Absolutely, like that. he's got some Sub Zero swag. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think, we've bought you know, our swag because we support the brand. Yeah, and and, and so we we you know came out. We, we're down twenty eight twenty four. Really could have thrown in the t- the towel at halftime, but you come out, you get the ball back, you score right away, you get a stop, get the yep. ball back again, and you score again, and then you, you change the whole nature of the game. So I think. The, the defense got stops when we needed them to change momentum, and that's probably the most you can ask of them right now. And I think, you know, we talked about Kamon Rucker with two sacks, you know, five tackles. Uh, we talked about Jacorius Conley. How about Cedric Gray stepping in to start for Eugene Asante? And I don't yeah. know if that's like a – I mean, Asante still played at three tackles. I don't know, like, what type of timeshare it's looking like. But he, he had he had five solo tackles, which was tied for a team high. Yep. And Rucker. by all accounts, everyone who's smart, you know, talks about the games, like said he really looked good out there. And so I think that that's, you know, we're, we're the pat the, the the secondary probably would like to have some of those touchdowns and throws back they gave up en route to Brandon Armstrong throwing for 554 yards. But it is nice to see that some of the other depth is coming into play and making an impact and, and making us feel like, you know, Early on in the season, we're like, I don't know what we have here at all in maybe any phase of the game. And now we're three games in, and it's like we, we've clearly picked things we need to work on and improved on them greatly in a short period of time. That is encouraging. And one thing I will say, just for like a, a little thing to watch, the teams are not picking on Tony Grimes. They're picking on McMichael. They're picking on Storm Duck. So if there was one, you know, I, I, like we said, on this show, we're trying to be optimists. We're trying to find silver linings because, again, we're a football school. We're trying to spin this thing forward. And in my mind, the fact that they're picking on McMichael, the fact that they're picking on Storm Duck means that they, Tony Grimes is respected enough at this point. They're not throwing the ball to him. And that says, that shores up one side of every situation to know that we have a lockdown corner that we can, you know, not to be as cliche to say it's a Revis Island type situation, but we're, we're fine to put him on an island and we know we can trust him on an island. Not only can we trust him, the other opposing offensive coordinator and the quarterback also is not trying to throw his way because they have enough respect for him. And the kid is 19, you know. I, I work with Bill Simmons. There was always a joke that he said Jason Tatum was 19. That was the only thing he said. This kid's 19. But it's like Tony Grimes is literally 19 years old. Last year he should have been in high school. And I, I see the secondary growing and getting better. Again, it's one of those things where the, the veterans are phasing they're phasing out. The younger guys are phasing in and, and getting more playing time and growing pains as we understand that's going to happen. And I'm excited uh, about them, and I want to see how they um, sort of respond after being on a high. Because we, you know, after week one and even after you know, you know, Georgia State, we, there was not a lot of enthusiasm or a lot of juice, so to speak, in the media and around the team. Now they have that after beating Virginia. How do we hold up when we when we go to Georgia Tech when it's not a game that we should be hype about, you know, traditionally? But hopefully that Clemson score will get our team fired up and also get this defense to know that you can't give up 39 points or we're going to lose because their defense is for real. So so look at us with our, our finally a fully yeah. positive open to this show. And so <laughs> what better way to segue into our Ram of the Week than just all of that buildup? So, Tate, just 
You, you take it away now. Who is your Ram of the Week? Man, it's pretty simple for me, and I know it's probably on the nose, but it's Josh Downs, and it's personal because I reached out to Josh Downs today before the show. said, Josh, great game. He's like, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. And, you know, we got to get Josh Downs on football school. That's the next goal for this program. But he's a superstar kid. In the middle, the reason why he's my Ram of the Week, it's not even the 203 yards. In the middle of the broadcast, they cut to a little promo that he shot where he thanks his mom for being yes. a teacher and, and wants to shout out all the great teachers that he's had in his life and how much they meant to him. I, you know, I'm the son of a teacher. You know, we, we, we love teachers here on this program. And for the, the fact that my favorite receiver on this football team, who, who is starring on the field, decided to take a moment out of his time to shout out to the teachers, that gets me the Ram of the Week. Shout out to Josh Downs. He, he's impossibly cool. He, he, the sunglasses. Yeah, we knew he's that. Benevolent. From the I mean, yeah. it's like he's—he does everything. I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. There, there, I, I could do uh, we every week. I, I could do an hour-long podcast on Josh Downs, but I'm just going to go into my Ram of the Week, which yes. is, and, and I'm also Josh I'm having Downs. so much trouble here because <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm having so much trouble with my Ram of the Week because I want to give it to one of the two running backs, mm. and I think as as much as I had high expectations for. Love was great to see Caleb Hood get those reps this last week. Like I'm, I'm really excited for for the rest of his trajectory, not only this year but just his his Carolina career. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give my Ram of the week to Ty Chandler this week because oh my gosh, th this is a guy who caught a lot of flack from yours truly, honestly, for you know a couple of these early games, saying this guy came in, he was a transfer. You know, d does he really have a game breaker skill set? I don't know you know, had huge shoes to fill, like literally had two different pairs of shoes to fill. <laughs> Jumonte Williams and Mike yeah. Carter. It's difficult. I don't know. It, it, it's the physics is, is difficult of having two feet and four shoes. Uh, but anyway, like I, I think the thing, the thing about him is like, you know, he, you need some help to run the ball. Well, you need the offensive line to block well for you. Things like Marcus McKeith and winning the ACC's player of the week as, we as an offensive lineman like that. That's a, that's a great you know sign. The offensive line is kind of getting it back, but Ty went out there and rushed for darn near 200 yards and scored two touchdowns and ran and with a purpose. You know, I mean, he's running downhill. Purpose. I love, and there, there were a couple times too, and this speaks to the physicality of the game where he got popped mm -hmm. and I was, there was actually one specifically kind of late in the game where I'm like, Ooh, they might need to check him for a concussion. And he popped right back up, ran back in the huddle and I think ripped off another, you know, big gainer the the, the next play. Like, and, and I'm not I'm not endorsing, uh, you know, playing through head injuries. But <laughs> what I am endorsing is a guy like Ty is really. You can tell he wants to earn it. He wants to prove to Carolina fans and and his coaches and his teammates, like I'm built for this job. I can be the running back one for a championship caliber team. And last night against Virginia, that was like such a great way to be like we're we're we're, we're seizing this thing. We're taking the season back, and we're going to run the ball on every other ACC team. So Ty Chandler. Fantastic week, my, my Ram of the Week. Yeah, and the weakness going into this game was the running game. That's what everyone was talking about with North Carolina. You and I are included in that group. We are part of the media. And Ty Chandler, <laughs> Ram of the Week. Uh, shout out to – did you call Sports Durst? Did you figure did, – did we track down anyone for the did, – did, was anyone biting on the idea of being the presenting sponsor of Ram of the Week? That's the, that's the big question. That is the big question, and uh, you'll you'll be disappointed to learn that I spent today uh, compiling prep for this podcast, which yeah. I'm now realizing we're more of an off-the-cuff podcast than a prep podcast, instead of cold calling Sport Durst, and in fact, that probably would have been a better preparation for this podcast. Honestly. Might see a cameo if you're, I don't know how you would know that this has happened. This will have already happened by the time you're listening to this, if you work at Sport Durst, Michael Jordan Nissan, yeah. Or I think uh, Michael Jordan Nissan is my is my vote. That's my number one. 
I, you know, I've got a, I've got a maintenance relationship with Mark Jacobson because they serviced okay. my 2014 Prius. Respect. I don't know if that's going to get me anywhere. Yeah. There's a really nice woman that drives me home in a shuttle bus whenever I drop my car off. Yeah. Maybe I'll start with her. But the, the, <laughs> the seed's been planted. Okay, I, I'm going to work on this. I promise I won't let you and the football school <laughs> listeners down. We're, we're, we're going to work on this Ram of the Week presenting yeah. sponsorship. Mark Jacobson one time, my mom was trying to buy a Toyota Sequoia. We go to Mark Jacobson Toyota, and there's the, there's the gray or silver, whatever color it was, Toyota that my mom was all set on. She's like, it's the SR5. This has you know the, 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 everything that I want, you know, yada, yada, yada. And Mark Jacobson happened to be driving that Sequoia, you know, as you know, because this is what car dealers do, you know, like the dealership owners, they have different cars and they swap them out. You know how it goes. And he refused to give up the Sequoia um, as his like driving around car because he was like, no, I'm, I'm not doing that right now. So my mom was ready to purchase a Toyota Sequoia. He would not give it up. Mark Jacobson. Um, and so he was willing to, to, I don't even, I guess it was like probably 35, $38,000, you know, he's yeah. just like, I don't, I don't care about this. I'd much rather be driving this specific Toyota Sequoia. But luckily my mom went back home. I think she ended up getting a forerunner from Toyota of Henderson. Shout out to Toyota of Henderson for hooking it up. But that's my only Mark Jacobson story that he, I mean, he refused to you, give up the your car. brother, your brother Gil the was car a long salesman. time driver. <laughs> your, your brother Gil was a long time driver of a, of a, of a white Toyota forerunner. I had a black was, Toyota forerunner. You know what I mean? Great All cars. Toyota of Henderson. Toyota of Henderson. Yeah. Maybe where, maybe we should do Toyota of Henderson. Honestly, because that, that might be it. That might be it. That might be it because I just I got to question the, the business decision there of Mark Jacobson of not wanting. No, I mean you know it, it several. Me. Yeah, it, it, me. it also it's it's still shocking me in the moment. <laughs> the only real way you could rectify such a bad business decision is by becoming the presenting sponsor of Ram of the Week. Yeah, I think so. That's their only potential saving so. grace. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll find out next week on the pod. <laughs> hey, baby. Well, I'm now. Joining us now on Football School, he was number 13 on the field in Keenan Stadium. He was the number one quarterback in our hearts for the Butch Davis era. He is now the passing game coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons, working for a North Carolina Tar Heel, Arthur Smith. He is TJ Yates. TJ Yates, welcome to Football School. What's up, fellas? What's going on? We're we're doing well. We're we're coming off a big win against Virginia. We're excited about we're Georgia confident Tech this TJ, weekend. You know, for yeah. the first time in quite some time. It should be. And and we're we, we're gonna dig into all that. But I, I actually want to start exactly where where Tate kind of set us up because so this is your third season coaching and you're and you're first with the Falcons okay. and you're on as as Tate mentioned you're on Coach Smith's staff. So was that. What, 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 did the Tar Heel connection kind of help you get set up there and get on that staff? And and how much Heels football talk happens on on a <laughs> weekly basis with Coach Smith? Uh, you know, there's, there's quite a good bit. You know, we always uh, in passing and stuff. Whenever we're just talking ball, we always we always talk about the Heels. And one of our another coach on our staff, Dave Brock, he was when I was there my freshman year. He was the wide receiver coach. So we've got some Tar Heel connections within the staff here. And yeah, uh, so Arthur was his first year as a student assistant or a GA, whatever was my freshman year. So we overlapped one year, him coaching me playing. Uh, he was also, we were also in the same fraternity. So uh, I've known him for a really long time. Uh, we've kept up throughout the years. And then when I was in Houston as a player and as a coach, obviously we played Tennessee in the division quite a bit. So uh, kept up with him a bunch throughout the year and out the years. And uh, you know, last year during the season, you know, he thought he might have a chance to, uh, to get a chance at some head coaching jobs. And, you know, we talked a little bit last uh, during the season, last season that, uh, 
you know, if you got a shot, if I would want want to come with, and I said absolutely. Um, so it's it's been awesome working so so far. I mean, he's a he's an extremely brilliant guy. Uh, he's a hard worker. He's a blue collar individual that uh, you know sets the right mindset around here. And you know, we got to you know we we're we're doing good. We're getting better. We just got to get back on track here in Atlanta. But um, you know, all all things are good here. Yeah, well, TJ, when we talk about, you know, North Carolina football, we look at you as a pioneer because you go to the NFL. You're the first starting quarterback from North Carolina. You also make history. You win the first playoff game for the Texans for people at home. If you did not know that, TJ Yates was the quarterback uh, for the Texans' first playoff win. So all these things happen, TJ, and they're happening within, the, you know, the past decade or past, you know, 12, 15 years at this point. And you feel the momentum at the time as you get into the NFL. Did you did you notice that Jeff Saturday played at North Carolina? Did you notice that Drake? Did you notice the North Carolina connections all around you in the NFL, or was it something that you kind of were just like, ah, oh, I, I guess I figured that out as I, as I kept flowing through, but I didn't really think about it at the time. No, you definitely knew. Um, you know, going throughout my career, at Carolina, you knew all of the you know the former players that were in the NFL. They came around a lot. Carolina does a great job with the player relations, former and present. Um, you know, so we, we knew all about the lineage and everything that went into the, you know, the past draft picks and all the, all the good teams that, that Carolina had and all the good players. So, you know, you had a good idea once you get in, once you get into the league and, and we had a run there. Um, my class was very good. I think we had nine guys drafted in my class. And then there was a run there for, I mean, probably seven years where we had a first rounder on offense and defense. So, uh, you know, we've always had some very good players at UNC, obviously I guarantee you that first round uh, trend will continue next year. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we've always had good players at, at Carolina. There's always so many good players in the state. All the coaches do such a great job recruiting in state and out of state. So, you know, we just got to have one of those classes that brings it all together. We we thought we had that with Butch. Um, oh. Some other things kind of well, derailed that time while we were there. But uh, there's always been great teams and great players come through Carolina. Well, and that's actually that's a, that's a, not to be a downer, but that's actually a perfect sort of segue into a topic we're super interested to talk about because this is we actually, unbeknownst to you, TJ, have all been in the same building before, and it was uh, in 2010 in Atlanta, yeah, uh, the season opener against LSU, oh, okay. and I mean, I, I remember the energy that, that the two of us had, the excitement we had for that team, so. And not to bring up bad memories here, but just curious when when all those guys get suspended prior to the game, and it feels like you guys have the talent, you know, to go deep that season. Absolutely. What 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 did that feel like inside the locker room in that moment when, when that news broke and you're thinking about how you're going to adjust? Yeah, you know, it was it was kind of a, a, a kind of a process leading up to it, I and mean, we knew that there was guys under investigation, um, you know, well before the season even started, well into fall camp, so we were preparing for it. You know, we, we knew guys weren't going to be able to play, but I'm not joking. We were sitting there getting on the bus right in front of Keenan and there's guys on the phone with NCAA compliance, what not knowing whether or not they can get on the bus. And it wasn't even until up until game time, guys were still being held out or suspended or who knows what. Yeah, they, you know, Bruce so. and Quan like last minute ran onto the field, right? They like, got the, got the suit up. Yeah, I exactly. That. I mean, it was, it was a last minute situation. We had no idea who was going to play. So going into that week, it was, Literally every single person has got to be ready because I think we lost 31 guys for that game. <laughs> it was wow. Like that. I mean, it was <laughs> like – Lawan Jackson started at corner in that game. Yeah, yeah, it was like nine defensive starters. I mean, two running backs, uh, Greg Little. I mean, you name it. We were depleted. And it didn't – obviously, it hurt on defense. We didn't have 
a huge deficiency on offense, but like the bottom end of the roster, the special teams, like all that stuff, like, I mean, everybody had to play everywhere. And it was, it was, it was really cool because, you know, obviously we came together and, you know, we gave it our best shot there at the end. I mean, that game is something I'll never forget. I don't, I have no idea why I've, I've told the story before, but I've only ever like cried after two games. It was after my last one in Keenan, definitely bald. For some reason, it was such an emotional roller coaster that day, that week leading up to it. I walked out of the tunnel. I was sobbing like a baby. I have no idea why. It was just, I mean, the the whole atmosphere of that day, the ups and downs of the game and the whole team, the whole situation, it was, and that was something I'll never forget. And it was a cool experience. You know, it's not, it's not all bad memories. You know, we had some success there on the field and some, some different good memories, but uh, you know, that whole year was just absolutely, it was crazy. And then we, we went on to the rest of the season. We put together, you know, a decent year. Um, but what it could have been is always something that, you know, we're always going to try to play out in our heads, the what ifs of that season. If we were at full capacity, I mean, who knows? The sky would have been the limit for that team. Mm. Well, what what was in your mind? How how far do you think you could have gone? I mean, I know it's, it's easy to kind of, you know, play whatever Monday morning quarterback or whatever you want to call it. But heading into that season before – all, all the you know the investigations began. You're you're looking at the talent you have. I mean, are you thinking like, hey, we could win a national title with this team? Because that's what we thought, TJ. That's what we were all saying. Yeah, I so. mean, <laughs> we, we probably were thinking ACC title first, and then you know, after right. that, what happens? But uh, you know, and back then the Orange Bowl was always a, a goal for us. Um, yep. You know, we knew we had an extremely good defense. We knew we had weapons on offense. We had a lot of senior players, a lot of junior players. We have veterans. Um, you know, we knew that there was something special about the team. The coaching staff was great. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because we, going into that year, you know, this the expectation for our team was play good defense, run the ball, you know, sustain the clock, you know, be an old school, under center 21 team that, you know, we lost all those defenders. And then, you know, defense wasn't as good as it could have been. Running game wasn't as good as it could have been. And then, I had to throw the ball a whole lot. Yeah, Shoop said, let's call which, a jet sweep and get a play action going. Yeah, which <laughs> probably helped me, you know, get to the NFL. So I can't always be super, super mad at the situation because there's no way we're throwing for that much or trying to throw that much in those situations that we would have been if we would have been at full strength. So uh, there's always a little bit of silver lining in it for me. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that team was so talented across the board. Um, it was just uh, unfortunate the circumstances that happened. But, um, you know. The senior year, I mean, could have been a special man. Yeah, well, it, it still was special, you know, in, in some capacity, TJ, because, you know, I was at the Music City Bowl there in Nashville, yeah. um, Tennessee. That that was the 10-second the se- runoff game. It was basically the Carolina football version of the tuck rule um, <laughs> where <laughs> you, get the, you get the spike down, we get the kick up, we win. I had Tennessee fans throwing beer bottles at me mm-hmm. and my family. I mean, it was <laughs> – it was a scene, and Sean Drawn obviously has a great game in that game. You have a yeah. great game there. Butch Davis gets to finally celebrate and have one moment in the sun after all this talent he's assembled. What was that game like, and, and what, what was it to get the full culmination against? You know, you go LSU, SEC team that you almost beat, and then to beat Tennessee in Nashville. That, that was a great full circle moment. Yeah, I mean, talk about two games that obviously I'll never forget. Now, obviously, the LSU game, and then that one at the end was just a perfect way to finish it all off. You know, we – we kind of had it up and down year. We lost, I think we lost the second game of the year to Georgia Tech too. And yep. that triple option, it was always the worst when oh, we didn't have yeah. a week to prepare. Yeah, when I mean, you yeah. get like six possessions a game, it's hard to win. <laughs> exactly. um, uh, but throughout the year, we did okay. And then we, you know, we made it to a bowl. And then 
you know, that game was crazy, obviously, because, you know, we're in Tennessee against Tennessee. Yeah. I think we had like 3,000 fans and they had like 56 or something like that. <laughs> and it was a home game. For it felt them. like 300. So, I felt like that was a part like the movie yeah. 300. Or we were yeah. just trying to we had our family <laughs> section and a few friends and that was about it. Um, so that was a home game for them. And then everybody knows the story about the whole, you know, we ended up changing the rules and, and, college football about the 10 second runoff. So that was definitely changed immediately after that, the whole, the whole Dooley thing, he kind of got screwed over earlier on in the year. And then that happened to him and he was irate on the sideline. And yeah, I remember the beer bottles. They were all over the field. They were yeah. chucking them everywhere because, you know, <laughs> they, they blew it dead and the refs left the stadium. They left the field. I don't even know how they got them back on to review it. Was it was chaos. Because like they were bringing out the, uh, you know, the post game stands and all that stuff. I mean, they were, I was like, oh, that's that's it. That was my last, you know, last game ever as a Tar Heel. You know, I'm sitting there. I'm like completely deflated about what just happened. Like it was it was a huge mess up on our part. I mean, that was there's no way around that. Nobody knows who messed up when or why people started running on the field, but they did. And I think when I snapped that ball, I'm pretty sure uh, Trace and, and, and Casey were behind me getting ready to kick it. The running backs were off the field. There was like 22 people on the field. When I, when I, you know, spiked the ball, but you know, the, the rules are what the rules were and we got one down and then, you know, kicked a great field goal to put it into overtime. And then, you know, we had a nice run and, you know, the pick by, uh, who got that pick? Uh, was it Quan? No, I forgot who got the pick off of Tyler Bray, but somebody got the pick right there in that second overtime. Was, was and Zach, I couldn't remember Zach or Quan. It might have been, I think, I think it was Quan. I think it was Quan. And then on top of that, during the game, you know, one of our, obviously huge senior leaders and emotional players. One of my good friends, I mean, Deontay had an ugly, just disgusting injury that yeah. basically ended his football career. It did have ended his football career. It was a tackle when he was like, it was like his neck almost. Yeah. It was, it well, he was, got, he got folded back on by Luke Stocker and his, you know, his ankles facing the opposite direction. Oof. And just, I mean, he tore and broke everything he could in your lower leg. And mm. that happened in the middle of the game that people always forget about. Like that was like a big blow to the entire team. Cause he was, you know, he was our guide back then. So, and he was going to the NFL too. I mean, that was oh, absolutely. Another, he was yeah, a heck exactly. of a player. He probably would have been a you know second, third round pick, something like that. I mean, that that whole ordeal, you know, it did change his life. So, um, you know, that was another thing that happened. And just the the whole atmosphere was just unbelievable. I mean, it was it was cool to be a part of because like you know you're the you're the villain there. I mean, everybody's throwing beer bottles at you, but you just won yeah. the game, so you don't really care. It felt like big-time college football, you know what I mean? Like, there aren't that many North Carolina football games. Like, the LSU game obviously did, and then that Tennessee mm -hmm. game. It felt like we were playing on this big stage, which is what Butch Davis and your generation of players basically elevated the program to. I mean, we you know misremember the fact that John Bunting and, and that era was so – at the bottom of the ACC, that when you guys were coming in and beating Rutgers, I remember you guys wore the navy pants for the first Ooh, time. That was it good was one. yeah, that was like Bernie's hit. It was like an oh, excitement. What a night that you know was. what I mean? It, it felt like the juice was back in the building. And obviously now we have the blue zone. We have a Heisman contending quarterback. We had Mitch Trubisky go number two in the draft. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to remember that you guys were the first generation to get us back. Yeah, no, that was an exciting time for everybody when Butch came in. I was part of the you know John Bunning's last uh, you know recruiting class. So when when Butch came in and then Coach Shoup and, you know, all the guys on his staff came in, we really, you know, started to turn it around. And they got some great recruits in there on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, Butch did an amazing job recruiting, getting guys in state and out of state to come and help. And, you know, it really kind of took off after that. And then, um, 
you know, it was just, it was a great time in my life. And I, you know, I love Carolina forever, man. That was, that was good times, man. <laughs> well, so, so kind of playing it forward to, to this current iteration of the Carolina football team. So you currently hold the North Carolina career passing record, 9,377 yards. It hasn't uh, been but broken it, yet. It well It will be like it, very, very soon, right? That so I think if my math's right, I think Sam Howell just crossed eight thousand yards this last weekend. Okay. He's got Bryn Renner in his sights next. I think he's got about two hundred yards to go before he knocks off Bryn. We we know you and Bryn are close. Do you guys talk at all about getting knocked down the leaderboard? And <laughs> in, in I guess as a spin off of that, like how much do you enjoy watching Sam play? Oh no, it's yeah, first of all, yes, me and me and Bryn are very close friends, you know, very good buds, and we always give each other crap for that. Like Something we'll you know, get tagged. We'll get tagged on Instagram or something. It's like all the passing leaders and all this stuff. And I'll, I'll shoot it to them and like take that and not so nice words. But um, you know, we always have a good time. And there's there's always been a good um, you know obviously lineage of quarterbacks that have come through. Um, you know, we always stay close as we can and talk as much as we can. And you know, to, to see Sam come in and play like he's doing. I mean, he's, that guy's just you know he's he's an elite quarterback and you know, he's showing that he's been showing it for years. As soon as he started as a freshman, you could tell this guy had something different. Yeah. Um, and I'm excited to see where he's going to take this offense the rest of the year uh, and his team the rest of the year. But, you know, he's already elevated the program, you know, to, to the next level, just, you know, basically by his play. And obviously the, the weapons that he had around him, uh, all those guys getting drafted, the two backs, the receivers, I mean, that offense last year was, you know, in my opinion, one of the best ever at Carolina. I mean, it's, it's going to be hard to ever beat that, what they did uh, points-wise, yardage-wise, all that stuff, and just making the plays that everybody's going to remember. Um, you know, but, you know, hopefully this will continue a little bit more of a legacy and we'll get some, get some more Tar Heel players in there and keep elevating this program to, you know, hopefully one day start, you know, annually competing for ACC championships and just taking that next level. And I think Max done a great job of, of continuing on that trend and getting it almost to that that level where everybody wants it to be. And it is shocking, right, TJ, if you think about, you know, when you were in school, you're there 2006 to 2010. Mac Brown is at Texas. He is recruiting, you know, the number one recruiting class basically every year. They have Colt McCoy. They're, they're you know, it's Nick Saban at Alabama, Urban Meyer at Florida, <laughs> Mac Brown at Texas. You know, that was, you know, the powers that be in college football. Did you ever imagine a world where Mac Brown would be back at North Carolina being the head coach? Because that, that to me is still shocking sometimes when I think. About no, it. not at all. I mean, you know, we obviously all, most people before Mac came back, you know, in the outside world, outside of Carolina, they never knew that Mac ever coached at, at Carolina before that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so the whole Mac is back thing, people are like, wait, what do you mean? Like if you weren't a Carolina person, like you wouldn't even have known that. So Yep. You know, I didn't, to be honest, when I first came to Carolina, I had no idea that he ever coached there. I found out when I got there, but mm-hmm. um, because it was such a long time ago and he had such a you know great career at Texas. But yeah, I mean, he's one of the, you know, college football's, you know, iconic coaches. And for him to come back to Carolina was, you know, it was just huge for the program, huge for the university. Um, you know, hopefully he stays as, as long as he is, as humanly possible. But even after he leaves, I think him just coming back and, kind of recreating and, you know, elevating this, this program to what it is now is just going to pay dividends for on down the road. And, you know, hopefully we can, you know, squeeze as much out of him as he's got, you know, he's, I know he's getting up there in age, but man, but he's every time I've, you know, seen his interviews or, you know, stuff like that, I try to follow as much as I can. And he looks as lively as ever. And I know the players respond to him and he's an obviously unbelievable recruiter. So, you know, it's, 
it was a huge thing for the for the Tar Heel family, and we just got to keep it going, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, and and we're here because we are playing Georgia Tech this weekend, and it, it's funny when you, when you look at this game, sticking with the quarterback theme. <laughs> The person you're most connected to in this game is going to be wearing gold on Saturday. Your your nephew Jordan. Yeah. I mean, how cool is that to see what he's done, the way he's kind of taken the reins of that job this year and succeeded? I mean, that's got to be awesome for you. Oh no, it's 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 unbelievable. You know, for everybody in our family and for Jordan. You know, like when I was at Carolina, he was probably six, seven, eight years old, something like that. You know, and we grew up under the same roof uh, when he was first born. Uh, he's my oldest brother, Evan. It's his his sons. So. Uh, you know, I look at him as my little brother, really. You know, I've I've changed the guy's diapers before. Like, you know, this is it's it's something so cool you know, to see where he's come and how hard he's worked uh, to get where he's at and finally get a chance to play. And he's playing well. You know, he almost took down big, bad, mighty Clemson last almost. week. I mean, yeah, we were that was such hard. a good wow. game. We, we were pulling hard for him. Yeah. yeah, that was cool to see. And, you know, he went to. He went to Georgia Tech. He committed to Paul Johnson, and then when Paul retired, and uh, you know Coach Collins took over, uh, you know he kept his commitment there, and you know he thought he would see the field a little bit earlier than he than he has. But he's it's never stopped how hard he's worked, and you know his mindset going into each week and each year and stuff like that. So to see all the hard hard work that he's done pay off, and him to finally you know get out on the field and have some success, you know it's it's obviously amazing for our whole family. It's going to be. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do mindset wise for the game. Like, you got like the little half and half jersey action going, or you know, it's going to be hard divided. So like, I want him to do well. I want him to win for him and for his team. But you know, it, it's hard. You know, Tar Heel born, Tar Heel bred. So you know, it's going to be a tough one. I'm going to be watching with a very, like you said, even eye. But I'm, I'm going to be rooting hard for him uh, to do well and uh, hoping for a good game. I just maybe maybe, it, maybe like the Virginia game last week. Yeah. He just throws for like 550 yards or something like that, mm-hmm. and it's a close one. We edge him, but it's a good game for Jordan. And I, also, like we we were doing a little research for this. He signed an NIL deal with the Braves. Oh yeah, that's pretty sweet. Like, do you get does <laughs> oh, he have yeah. you get some cool kickbacks there? You get some tickets. What sort of perks is he, is he hooked you up? Yeah, with? he um he's actually quite the, the a savvy little business you know social media guy. He's got. <laughs> quite a few followers on TikTok. He makes all these videos and stuff. And <laughs> yeah, he, he somehow by himself, like negotiated this NIL deal with the Braves. I mean, wow. he gets a kickback on, you know, certain amount, all the ticket sales that if you go use Jordan Yates on the, you know, whatever the uh, discount code or whatever, he gets a kickback <laughs> from it. And, you know, it's a cool deal. I mean, I, you know, I was kind of a little weary about the whole NIL thing, you know, just because it's going to turn into college free agency at some point, you know, for these bigger schools, they're only going to get bigger. You know, it's going to be tough for the smaller, small, smaller schools to compete with all these, you know, teams that have the big donors. But um, for the kids, I think it's really cool. I don't think it's going to get too out of hand with the majority of, uh, you know, 99% of the, the players in college football. I don't think it's going to get too out of hand. It might get out of hand for the 1%. But uh, to see, you know, guys like my my nephew and his teammates and stuff just, I mean, get a little pocket change just so – they don't have to call their parents to ask for some money like I did in college. Like I bad imagine everybody did in college. Every time I called my dad and in college, he was like, How much do you need? You know, <laughs> it's rent or you know, food money, you know, that you spend at Pantana Bob's, which is a it's a great grocery store, well, right? Yeah, the best <laughs> one of the best. Yeah. They stock great groceries exactly. there. Yeah. 
I, I, I feel like the trick is, this is a real diversion, this is a real deep Chapel Hill cut, is what was the name of that store where you could sell back your books for cash that was kind of like, it was off Franklin between, it was, it was kind of behind, I'm trying to think where it was, but that was always the great play. It's like, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to funnel that cash back into more books. Yeah. I was just going to like, maybe open those books once or twice the whole semester, go sell and pocket the cash. That's Pantana Bob's money to get the finest groceries. No that was always yeah. kind of a, uh, un- I guess I can talk about it now since I'm not going to get suspended or anything like that. But like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you get, you get your scholarship books and at the end of the semester, you go sell them back for quite a bit of money. That was always a nice little bonus right there. So that always helped. That definitely always helped. They called Butch Davis uh, De Niro in Casino. That's how he was described as us, and uh, and we loved it so much, TJ. Yeah, this is this is coming to people who love yeah, Butch yeah, Davis like, to absolute yeah, like death. We we, yeah. we we treated him love like he Butch was Davis. Robert De Niro. You know what I mean? No football. <laughs> That's how we handled it. I can tell you what I never got one of those. I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no box soup grand for TJ. I must, I must, I must have missed out on that it's one. Soup Everybody needs soup money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, so I, I'm curious to kind of, you know, bring this whole thing around. It's like we talked about the trajectory and the programs on really, you know, where, where you and, and Butch and many others kind of started us on this trajectory. In your opinion, looking at this team and, and the guys that Max recruited, what does success look like for Carolina this season? And what does success look like over maybe the next three to five years? Yeah, you know, obviously the the first game hurt, you know, with such high expectations coming into this season. Um, you know, I, I think I, I read a quote by Mac that was like, you know, you guys overranked us. I don't think we're that good. Like, yeah, I, I, it's tough to say. I might've agreed with him just because I, you know, being in my position, I did so much research on all those skill guys coming out and I knew how much talent on offense was leaving and going out the door. So I was, you know, a little weary about replacing all that talent. And obviously the hype train, the media hype train got to it a little bit. And when I saw the number 10 in the nation, I was like, Whoa. All right. We're going to have to live up to this. I mean, that's some very high expectations to live up to. And, and we talked about early about best atmospheres. The loudest game I've ever played in my career, pro or college is Blacksburg. That place is unfreaking believable. And to go in there at night game and that atmosphere and be able to communicate and operate is just, I mean, it's close to impossible. I mean, I remember being in the huddle and being as close as I am to this screen and screaming at my teammates what the play call was, and they they couldn't hear me at all. Like, it's mm-hmm. – wow. so that place um, obviously had something to do with it. You know, I think you know, I think we were the better team, but we just didn't play, you know, that good that night. Um, you know, but just to go back to your question, you know, I, I think, you know, that, that game kind of hurt us going forward in the season. Um, you know, we got to get back to where, you know, we know that we can play and play at a high level and, you know, just – Every single week in, week out, the offense is going to be expected to, you know, put up 60 points, which is what they've shown to do the past couple of years. So that, unfortunately, that's the expectation. You know, they've, they've done it quite a few times. And, you know, nowadays, you know, 300 yards in the air and 100 on the ground is now becoming the norm for Sam. So it's like we got some high expectations to live up to every single week, um, offensively especially. So, you know, like I kind of said before, like annually competing for an ACC championship is where – you know, I think this program can be in the next three to five years and where it should be, you know, the amount of talent that mm. uh, can come into there. And I know that Mac is bringing into there that that should be the goal and should be the standard. And then, you know, after that, you know, getting into the college football playoff is, I think, the next step after that. Um, and it's something that Carolina can do. It can be a big time college power five program. And I think everybody that's, you know, involved 
uh, within the program, within the team, the fans, they all believe that too. And especially everybody that's, you know, in that building with the, you know, the coaching staff that they have. So, you know, I, that's, you know, what all Carol, you know, Carolina fans want to see and they former players and everything. That's what, that's what we want. And that's what we expect. And, you know, we keep getting guys that, you know, continually go in the first round in the NFL draft and, you know, having multiple guys drafted, if you have the talent in there, like, that's when you know you got to be competing for those ACC championships all the time. And, you know, I know it's tough going up against the Clemsons of the world because, you know, they're at that point. And when I was playing, they weren't. So it's very possible. It's not like you can't turn this program into a Clemson program in the next, you know, five years just because when I was playing Clemson, they were just another ACC team. You know, they had good players and they got annually, you know, some – high draft picks and first round draft picks here and there, but they weren't dominant like they are now. So um, it's def definitely attainable and definitely possible for, you know, this program to be at that status. Yeah. I feel like, you know, 2010, I think we beat Clemson at home, right? Like 15 to yeah. seven or something like that. Yeah, It yeah, wasn't, exactly. wasn't a very, so my, I'm in a, obviously a group chat with my dad, my two brothers and Jordan and uh, my brother being an asshole, you know, pulls up my <laughs> stats versus Clemson. And then pulls up Jordan's stats versus Clemson. His were much better and all this stuff. And, you know, I was like, well, that wasn't the sixth-ranked defense in the freaking country back then either. Like, that was an unranked kind of run-of-the-mill Clemson team. We won, but, you know, like you said, it was like 15-7. to 7. Like, it was – wasn't much exciting, but uh, I just remember they were trying to fire Dabo after that game because we beat them, and uh, they were like, "We got to get rid of this guy." You know, Clemson football has, is better than this. He's a mid-tier coach, and exactly. You know, they had now, done look, that, now look where they are. Exactly, yeah. exactly. College football, wild time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I think you heard yeah. it here first. T.J. Yates believes we are a football school. We on the show, we're a football school. <laughs> yes, we're. It's happening. It's happening. We're a football school. Now that, now that Roy's gone, I mean, it's our time to be that that football school. Like when I yeah. got there, we were a basketball school. I mean, we were. Yeah, you had national. Tyler Hands, bro. You 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 had a wrong window of time to be there. Yeah, you, I mean, we won a national championship in two thousand nine. Like you can't compete with that. We won one just before I got there in 05 and then the middle when I was there in 09. So it's like. It's hard to argue. Yeah, we can we can be both. School. Yeah, I think we can be both. Yeah, I think. Yeah. But right now we're, we're we're pushing all of our chips in on football school. Yeah, we need to. You know, it's a dark time. You know, Max there. He's gonna he's gonna get us to that point. I got I got I got faith. I got faith too. Well, there you have it, TJH. Thank you so much for coming on Football School, man. We would love to have you back, and good luck this season. Absolutely, I appreciate you guys having me anytime. Wow, and there you have it, uh, T.J. Yates. I mean, I, I already love T.J. Yates, Charlie, but after that interview, I mean, we need to have – he's going to be a regular on the show. He may take my job by the end of the season. He may be the host of football school. What a, what a great time, and what a great quarterback. We he, he could take both of our jobs. I think we that, that's actually – that's a good goal to aspire to. We can just yeah. have guests on that we love so much that we just say, okay, we're just going to set the Zoom up for you guys, and you two talk, and we'll just produce the podcast for you by then. By the I time hope by the done. time that we get to the Pittsburgh game that when we open up football <laughs> school and we put the Twitter link out that it's Bryn Renner and TJ Yates in our spots, and they have our clothes on, and they're, they're just doing football school because we'll, that's what we hope for. We'll love, we'll love nothing more than that. Yeah, I, I, I mean – we we've rehashed this in some form or fashion on the show a number of times, but com coming to Carolina from California, uh, the the first version of this team that I knew and loved, T.J. Yates was the quarterback of that team, 
And so I forever will owe TJ for, for, for that. And for really, you know, building that we talked about in the interview, like, you know, that was the starting point of this program. We don't get to where we are with Mac Brown and Sam Howell without TJ Yates and Butch Davis laying that, that first foundation. So yeah, yeah. great, great, great guy. (laughs) Great. Hey, want to play golf with the man sometime. And uh, yeah, it's great to, great to shout with them about Georgia tech. And it's also great to see that we have like a Carolina NFL mafia going on because if, if you keep up with the NBA, you know, there's always, you go to any team, there's always a North Carolina guy where you're like, oh my God, I can't believe that he works for this team. Or if you go to the Hornets, it's all Carolina guys. It's Mitch Kupchak, it's Buzz Peterson, it's Michael Jordan. You know what I mean? We we are like a mafia in the NBA, but we need that same sort of cachet in the NFL. It's good to have Arthur Smith be a head coach. It's good to have TJ Yates, you know, on staff there. And, uh, you know, we're sort of building up, like you said, we, we got a foundation and now we're on the ascent and that's what we're that's what we're here for on football school all about the climb we love the climb i i, I love it so much uh this is a little shout out to to kevin clark uh you know former <laughs> co-worker of yours yeah. uh you know it, it, overall good human being he was talking about i guess on one of his podcasts like an all alabama team on madden and uh, someone actually built that team and i was looking at screenshots of this this week and i was like dang man like we're gonna have that soon we're going to be able to make our own Carolina team on Madden because that's how much talent we're about to put in this league. And it's great. It's great to to have reference points in the past like TJ and think about what the future holds. So, it's listen, man, it's a great day to be a Carolina football fan. We are a football school. Yeah, we finally did it. Shout out to Hakeem Nix, who was at Keenan Stadium for this Virginia game. I, we did not mention that at the top, so I wanted to shout him out. But now, Charlie, let's turn and talk about the Yellow Jackets. We heard about Jordan Yates. We, we know you know, the connection that TJ has to his nephew in this game. But let's, let's do a little preview. You got some facts for us. Let's break down Georgia Tech. No better way to segue into the next game yes. on our football school schedule. Which is the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, and we are somehow we've somehow arrived as a twelve-point like favorite. Come on, this Vegas. game, which is being pl- I like eight and a half. I, feels right. Yeah, well, I think it, I think it cuts both ways, right? Because I think we spent the whole week leading up to the Virginia game saying uh, nine points is way too yeah. much, and the line actually moved to seven and a half on the day of the game after all the game day guys picked Virginia. Which, by the way, thank, thank you, game day. Thank you, game day. Whenever guys they pick against North Carolina, that's a good thing. So, it's if perfect. anything, let's let's thing. leak some stuff about how great Georgia Tech looks in practice this week and how they should have upset Clemson, and they're probably going to beat the Tar Heels. Yeah. Let's get that out there. Let's hope they see it. So it's it it's it's I don't like being favored by this much, but also I have to believe that Vegas knows things that I don't yeah. know. Uh, even even following Carolina football in as great details we do, surely Vegas knows something more that we don't know. So. We're a 12-point favorite, for better or worse, right now. Could move before the game. This game is Saturday, September 25th. It's 7.30 p.m. It is on the ACC Network. It is being played in Mercedes-Benz yes, Stadium. Yes, the home, the I will home be of there. Kanye West, and you're going to be there. I mean, think think about the the legend, like the fact that Kanye was there about a month ago making Donda, and now North Carolina football is going to be there. And people act like we're not a primetime team. I, I tweeted during our last game that we should be playing on ABC, and I had all these people acting as if, North Carolina has never played on ABC. We play on ABC. We're, we're a top-tier team. And, Charlie, you're going to be in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. You're going to watch this top-tier team take on the Yellow Jackets. This is, this is great for the ACC. We're playing in an NFL arena in Atlanta in a great city. Yeah. Come on. That's ACC football. And, and, and one of the best cities in yeah. the South. I mean, I, I genuinely – Georgia's not in Atlanta. I, I, okay. We got Atlanta. The ACC has Atlanta. That's an advantage. We have, we have Atlanta. <laughs> I, I, I'm excited to make the trip. Still looking for tailgates, by okay. the way. Just tweet me. Just, just find me somehow and tell me where you want me to go, and I'll come drink and eat biscuits yes. with you. 
Um, but let's let's get to some Georgia Tech Please. facts. Let's learn a little bit about our opponent now, okay? So Georgia Tech, they are currently one and two overall. They are zero and one in the conference. But that's a little bit deceiving because the the one conference loss was fourteen to eight at Clemson last weekend. Yeah. So that to me, that's a that's a moral victory. Uh, I mean, I, it's I, literally you know, the definition of a moral victory. I'm pretty sure if they if you look that up, it would say that fourteen to eight at Clemson. Fourteen eight at Clemson, and, and, and so so here's a little more about Georgia Tech. Okay, their starting quarterback Jordan Yates. That that's honestly a little scary. That Jordan Yates, he obviously knows North Carolina football. He probably came to games and watched TJ play back in the day. Um, this is this is a recipe for a trap game. As we keep talking about this, I'm feeling more and more trapped. I feel trapped. The, the, the walls it's, are closing uh, in. We, we, <laughs> this is this is a football school not not a football school phenomenon. This is a football school podcast phenomenon. That the more we talk about games, the more trappy yeah. they feel. Unless they get so trappy, which was the case last weekend against that Virginia, we get ahead of the trap. that they become a reverse yes. trap. You, you get you know the reverse trap, the double trap. However you want to phrase it, that that I think is what was in play last weekend, and I love to see those. Um, so Georgia Tech, okay, so so their head coach Jeff Collins, mm-hmm. he's in his third year at Georgia Tech, so he's on the same sort of schedule as Mac. But what Mac did not have to do, even though Mac had great success, is he he did not have to eradicate triple option players <laughs> from his program and replace them with pro style yeah. players, which is what basically the better part of what Jeff Collins has been doing since 2019 when he arrived at the job. So. This Pour is one out for uh, Paul Johnson right now. I mean, the triple option. I mean, it, it was it was an era. You know what I mean? It used to be the worst when Butch Davis was there and Larry Fedora too. When you oh. had to prep for the option, so you basically needed to buy. You needed the schedule makers to give you a bye week before you played Georgia Tech, so you could at least do one week of practice to get ready for the triple option. But a lot of times, it would always work out that we would play Georgia Tech after we played Miami or whoever it may be. That would be a tough game, and and they would just kill us with this triple option. So. Georgia Tech is is always in my mind kind of a trap, but like you said, we're we're, we're removed from the triple option now, but it still it still feels like it's in the air. I don't know why. <laughs> it was you know it it felt like every season we were playing at like noon on a yeah. Saturday and not even considering it. And by the time the game was on, we were like already in a hole because we couldn't. We're stop down the triple fourteen option. to nothing. That's that's what I see in my head. And then we're kind of like fighting against the clock, and they and they're just killing us, running like third just and one. Chewing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just absolutely chewing clock. Yeah, so I don't have that feeling around the program anymore as much. Uh, but, but you know, I think it's, it's a number of things, right? So last year, they allowed 36.8 points per game, which is not good. Not good. Uh, but they returned 10 starters, and they're playing much better according to, uh, well, I mean, you know, according to literally the box score last week, they held Clemson to 14 points. Um, but, yeah, it's like it, it's one of those things where, you know, reading the Phil Steele preview for this team, you almost like you feel bad for them a little bit. You know, he's talking about Jeff Collins is like he came in and all they had was like quick undersized linemen. And he's just basically been having to replace them all with like big, strong linemen. And you're like, oh, man, like what? Got to feel bad for those old linemen. Like where they end up, where they go. But th- th- that's so that maybe is that's the, the trap part of this Georgia Tech yeah. game. You know, it's like, oh, you know, they've had to work through this. They've had to recruit new players. Um, but they but they should theoretically be a lot better football team than they were then the team, the first version of this team we played that was a Jeff Collins team, which was in 2019, also at Georgia Tech. We were a 10 point favorite in that game and we won 38 to 22. Mm. So that was that was a good showing last time out, and, and we've obviously progressed a lot since that point in time. But um, but yeah, I mean, I I I do feel like twelve is a lot, especially because they're gonna have extra juice in Mercedes Benz. Um, but I, I I you know I'm feeling 
after the Virginia Tech game, this was feeling like a trap game. This is feeling less like a trap yeah. game now. This is feeling <laughs> like a I don't I don't know if I'm gonna pull a sharpie, but I'm gonna take a ballpoint pen and, and I'm gonna write a W. Yeah, I told you I'm gonna spin things forward in a positive sense. I like what you're doing there. In my mind now, I see the highlight reel for Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay as we look at the NFL draft, and it's from this game. It's in Mercedes Benz because it lets, you know, the world see that Sam Howe can play in an NFL arena and 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 tote that thing around. You know what I mean? I could see Sam throwing four or five touchdowns in this game. These are the these are the highlights that we cut to. Josh Downs maybe has a big game on the turf out here. So the the more that we talk about it being in Mercedes-Benz, I'd actually be a little bit more concerned if it wasn't at Mercedes-Benz. I like that it is there. And I cuz yes. I I think as we talked about our team, we're built on sauce and and we like the we like the bright lights. And I think if you take us to Mercedes-Benz, you make it a night game. You act like we're playing NFL on Sundays and, and you get the little hype video that that's all put together. I think we're going to be ready to go. So I think you're right. Let's avoid the trap. Let's get a big W. Let's get a statement win, you know, where we blow out Georgia Tech under the lights in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and we get America saying once again, wait a second, North Carolina beat Virginia, and then they just blew out Georgia Tech, and their only loss was on the road at Virginia Tech in week one, and it was a little wonky, and they are still 21, and they didn't move up at all. They should be top 15. I want to get back in the top 15. That's where we need to go. I, I I love I love what you just done there, which is actually as we're talking about the the Georgia Tech of old, the triple option uh, Georgia Tech that you always somehow play at noon on a Saturday. Yeah. A key part of that piece of visual imagery is playing in Bobby Dodd, yeah. and so I think this actually they've done themselves a disservice here by playing in Mercedes Benz, and so now I'm fully convinced that we are going to cover win this game handily. And the last um, time that we were it, in Georgia or in Atlanta for a game, we were both at that game and that was in the old it wasn't Mercedes Benz but it was the old arena, right? Or was it Mercedes Benz? I think it was the the Georgia It was Dome, the Georgia right? Dome. And they called yeah, it the Georgia exactly. Dome. They, yeah. We were in the Georgia Dome and Georgia beat us and you know that we we played well in that game and kind of broke our hearts, but it's crazy that five years later we're playing in Atlanta in a different dome, the Mercedes-Benz Dome. But I remember going to that game domes, and seeing them talking Atlanta. about that they were building this new dome, and you and I were both like, "Why? Are we going to the dome? What is happening? <laughs> How many domes can one city need?" Uh, yeah, no, it's it's uh, it it is it, it's it, it's it's funny. Like you almost sometimes I forget Georgia Tech plays in Atlanta because it feels like a flashier program yeah. should be playing in Atlanta, and maybe that is. You know what Jeff Collins will ultimately build there. Who knows? Um, certainly, there's a potential there. I mean, they've had great players. I, I think I mean, they had Megatron. Even I mean, and, yeah, and they've they've they had Megatron on a on a triple option exactly. team. Yeah, right? for two years. Yeah, that doesn't make any <laughs> no, sense. It was hilarious. And if you played NCAA football, it was amazing because I mean, it was unstoppable. Because oh, yeah. if they figured out the triple option, you basically had a slant to the six foot eight guy who could just take it to the house. <laughs> So okay, so that that's and that's all the nuggets I have. I like on it. The Yellow Jackets. I like it. I feel like I'm up. I, to I'm speed. curious though. Can we do a quick schedule spin? Yeah. Because the the last time we did a, a little spin through the schedule, we were it was it was Trap City. Mm. It was just everything looked like traps. We didn't even want to keep continuing through the maze because we were just afraid we were going to step in yep. it. But now it looks like it looks like we have a, we feel a little more optimism. So we can do this quickly. But okay, Georgia Tech, we're feeling good yeah. about, and I think. And interject here if you feel differently than I do. But I think we're also feeling pretty good about Duke, Florida State, and Miami. Now, I'm not saying Florida State's a team that was a bad team last year that beat us. And Miami's a team that would do almost anything to beat us after getting embarrassed the last yeah. two seasons. So they're going to be playing with some energy. But I do overall, given how poorly 
Florida State and Miami have seemed to play this season. I feel good about Duke, Florida State, Miami. Is that are you on the same page there? I think there? it's fair. I hate the noon kickoff for the Duke game. That feels like uh, mm. a trap game where we come out a little sluggish. Duke maybe gets up in that game as they. I mean, against Northwestern, they scored thirty points in the first half. So. Duke showed more light than I've seen from them in a long time, which scares me. FSU has max number. I don't understand it. I don't. I don't really get how it works, but they do. So naturally, you have to have a little bit of a, a you know a cautionary tale right as you go into that game. And then Miami is Miami, as you said. They got embarrassed last year. We've been throwing the U down in their face for like five years, and uh, I mean we're we're having a lot of fun. And it seems like Miami maybe comes out in that game and tries to send a message. Notre Dame. I was at that game last year with my mom. I mean, Ian Booker played an amazing game. I think it was the best game he played all year. But North Carolina, I mean, it, just, it was Javante's worst game. It was Ian Booker's best game. Uh, and so I think that we have a shot against Notre Dame. I don't think they're as good as as they have been in the past. But I, I think, like, you could, we, I could convince myself that every game is a trap game as we move through. But I think you're right. I think Duke, FSU, Miami, Georgia Tech, we should win those four games. And if we go into Notre Dame with one loss – now we're really talking about having a big season. And that, and that is, you've begun to outline what I consider the gauntlet portion of the schedule. Yeah. It's, it's very much the, the make or break part of the schedule, which is at Notre Dame, followed by home against Wake, mm. followed by a Thursday night game at Pitt. Now, some, this, is, this is blowing my mind, like given the way the schedule looked at the beginning of the season, but nothing scares me more on the schedule than Thursday night at Pitt. It just mm. it just has all the makings of a classic trap game, and and the funny thing is here too is is it you know we're we you laid out the plan at the top of the show. If you listen to this podcast by now, you have this this roadmap, yeah. you have this this you know yarn up on your wall. <laughs> you know what the plan is. The plan <laughs> is we got to win the coastal. We get a chance to make it. You know, we we go to the ACC championship Charlotte. game. We yeah. win that, and we have a shot to make yeah. the playoff. Right. That's all we can so, do. It's all we can do. Now, Notre Dame and Wake. If you lose one of those two games. You you maybe you even if you went out and, and and win the title game you you're kind of borderline as to whether or not you're going to make it in the college football playoff as a two loss. The funny thing about Wake is because of this this home and home we've scheduled outside the parameters of the ACC. That's also a non conference game. So a loss in either of those games definitely crushes the overall goal. But we still have the 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 sub goal alive, which is win the coastal, make the ACC title game. Pitt is a conference game, obviously. Yeah. Uh so that's one that I've really got circled is like just all we can practice. Let's just like, you know, run around the field with signs that say trap. This could trap be a trap game, game on yeah. them. This could be a big time trap game. I, I just don't, trap star. Yes, that's a great yeah, idea. Just be a I like trap that a lot. Maybe we should hire like a, a car to do that. Or I, I mean, I, I, I live here. I, I could just I, I could buy a boombox or something. I think we around. can figure it out. I think we also, I mean, we, we, start re we start reaching into the Josh Downs. We start reaching out to Josh Downs and some of these guys. And we're like, you need to be playing this. They'll get it up there. You know what I mean? They, they know what they need to hear. Yeah. The best thing about social media, and I know it's probably not the best thing. It might be the worst thing. But the best thing with this team, it does seem like, we are aware of the noise. You know what I mean? We we understand where the temperature mm. is, and we understand that after Virginia Tech, at least from what I've how I've talked to people, it seems like there's an understanding that hey, we we had a shot to be a top ten team. Maybe we got coordinated a little early. We got a bad taste in our mouth, so we're trying to prove something again. Which we're much better when we have the chip on our shoulder and nobody believes in us, I've, as I feel most teams are in sports, but. For this team in particular, I think that's where they are. And hopefully they understand that, like you said, uh, Thursday night game at Pittsburgh, that is no easy task. And it might be one of the toughest games in all of college football. I mean, in, in all reality, because 
Pitt's going to be fired up for that game and expect to win. And and Thursday is always a wrinkle in a schedule, no matter if you're an NFL player or a college football player. And I hope they don't play Thursdays in high school, but I'm sure they do at this point. But if you had to play on a Thursday, it's going to screw up your whole week. So it's it's a bad it's a bad draw, but I hope we can figure it out, especially coming off week. And, and, and when you're looking at this thing in its entirety, best game to lose in college football, first game of the yeah. season. Now, you'd prefer that it's not a conference game, and you'd really prefer that it's not – not only a conference game, but a division game. <laughs> That's nationally if televised you, if, as a top 10 game. Yeah. If, if the schedule maker <laughs> sat down before the, before the season and was like, how many trap games can we deal this alleged football school? And they and you do indeed get scheduled Virginia Tech and you must lose a game. That's the one to lose, right? So we can work our way back from here. And, and our final two games, by the way, just to finish it off, are uh, home against Wofford yes. and on the road against State. And, and State's always a game regardless yeah. of, you know, there are no teams going to show up game, with, with, if with, I've ever you know. seen one. At NC State the day the day after Thanksgiving, are you kidding me? But I also think that that's one where, you know, not to say that we wouldn't be up for Pitt or any game, but you're up for State. You're up yeah. for State. You know, like that that is one where it's a it's a dogfight of a rivalry. It's like it's like, you know, Virginia on steroids, yeah. really. You know, like, I mean, I, Virginia, we're, we're talking about whether, is it even really a rivalry? But it's like the same intensity that Virginia brought into that game, State's going to bring about tenfold into this game. Yeah. So not saying those are auto wins, but I feel I feel similar to those games about the way I feel about this this run of games coming ahead, which is Georgia Tech, Duke, Florida State, Miami. But I, I so I think, you know, just to kind of bring it all together at the end here, I think the season hinges – on those three games, the Notre Dame, Wake, and Pitt yeah. game. And if we could survive those, if we go 3-0 in those games, like if you told me we went 3-0 in those games, I didn't get to see the rest of the schedule, I'd be like, dude, we're in the title game, and we have a solid chance of the CFP yeah. playoff. You just got to hope that it's not a slip-up against FSU or Miami or even, God forbid, Duke. I mean, that, that those are the mental mistakes that you hope this team will avoid because they want to be elite. But the old iterations of North Carolina football, the, the versions that I know and I grew up with, they're going to lose one of these games, whether it be Pitt or, you know, whether it be Wake Forest. Like, they're going to find a way to kind of just no-show one of these games. But I do think that this team, like you said, they've already had that loss. They've already felt that dejection. They've already felt people say, hey, they are not this top 10 team. So I hope that is going to lead to this push throughout the year. My, my biggest fear, and this is like as we get to the end of the year, is that Clemson – is not the Clemson of old and beating Clemson, who is a three loss or two loss Clemson team in the ACC championship game does not guarantee that boost into the playoff and, and North Carolina, you know, let's say we go to Charlotte, we beat Clemson and then we still get left off of the playoff because, you know, <laughs> God forbid, God what forbid, did, you know, two <laughs> Pac-12 teams or something had to get in or something. Who knows? Or, or Fresno State. <laughs> yeah, Fred, yeah, Fresno yeah. State. Not the Fresno State yeah, this time. I, yeah. I mean, shot Wouldn't that be a Shyamalan State. twist? Just to get to the end of the season, you we know. Do, we do the formula and it doesn't work, yeah. Yeah, you're like, oh, these Clemson guys. And you're like, oh, no. It's like they've just been, you know, like actors inside of these suits the entire time. I think that was The Village. I'm not yeah, quite yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that would, that would be truly crushing if that's yeah. the way the season ended. But I think that you would have to say we we – I mean – Lost to Virginia Tech, notwithstanding. You, I mean, a perfect season is amazing, right? But you, you largely cannot play perfect seasons. So if we if we win out after the Virginia Tech game, and, and that includes a win against Clemson in the ACC title game, and we still don't make the college football then it's playoff, fixed. I mean, I'll be it's yeah. fixed. They don't want us to be a football yeah, yeah, school. Yeah. I will be stunned. Exactly. Especially because I think that there are enough teams that we thought that were going to be Oklahoma's good. Oklahoma's not college good. Football. Ohio State is not good. 
and they could get good. better. And I and I believe that they could get better. Bama just got to run for yeah. their money, but from Florida, Florida, Florida was. And, and, I mean, they played really well in that game. I mean, they're intimidating. Whenever Florida has two quarterbacks, I tweeted this. Whenever they have two quarterbacks, they're really good. It it makes zero sense. Like Florida football makes no <laughs> sense. If they have Chris Leak and Tim Devo. You got a real shot. And they they're like rotating these guys in. I was getting confused as to who the quarterback was and. Somehow it worked, they, or it almost worked, I guess I should say. But, yeah, Bama doesn't look unbeatable. Um, Ohio State doesn't look even close to the Ohio State that we've seen in the past. Oklahoma is a farce, if I've ever seen one. Spencer Rattler, yeah. you know, as much as people were talking bad about Sam, Sam has looked the part of a Heisman candidate, and Spencer Rattler has not at all so far. So, um, I think it's, 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 there's going to be a lot of chaos, yeah. and we just kind of got to put the blinders yeah. on and just and just find a way. But to, I'm like, scouting these other top teams, season. you know what I mean? I, I'm – Oh, we're yeah, scouting. I know. I, I'm we're acting scouting. like I, I am in the mix, you know, as a top football school. So I'm looking at everybody else. I saw LSU up close and personal. You know, they're they're done. Uh, UCLA football. I, I had a little bit of hope. I was believing in them, but then your your Bulldogs came to town and shut it down. This was the big football school <laughs> side bowl where we Tate's side team, the UCLA yeah. Bruins, and my side team, <laughs> the Fresno State Bulldogs. Of of my, I'm proud to say I am. From Fresno with a five five nine area yeah, code, still. and I love seeing the dogs hand out that the big capital L yeah. in Los Angeles this yeah. week. They, they put um, up the, they put yeah. up the L O S S Angeles. That was the that was the troll move of the week, and uh, they changed the Hollywood side. They took everything out out except for the L in the Hollywood sign. I mean, they, they were memeing us to death. Uh, as a Bruin fan, I, it was tough to see. But also as a as a friend of yours, I was excited for the Bulldogs. So congratulations! <laughs> you gotta love the dogs, man. End of the day, everybody it's loves. Also, dogs, it's also right? a top I mean, twenty-five just... matchup. You know what I mean? Both teams should be yeah. happy. It's Southern California versus Central California. There's a lot of cult- talk about culture wars between North Carolina and Virginia. Central California and Southern California. I mean that that is a a culture war that may never be fixed. Um, Listen, they think we're a bunch of farmers yeah. up there. All we do is, you know, grow raisins and build strip malls yeah. and, you know, have a ton of, like, bad air quality yeah. and smog. And you know what? They're right about all <laughs> yeah. those things. But they, they, everyone that, in Central California is like chip. everyone in L.A. is worshiping the devil. They're, they're, they're Scientologists. You know what I mean? It's the classic. It's the classic. Yeah. Back and forth. It's, it's a little bit. There's a little bit of that Central Valley chip on your <laughs> yeah. shoulder. And you'll notice. You'll notice. Yeah. On the dog logo uh, that I very tastefully photoshopped and replied to Chris Long with in Carolina Colors this week, you'll notice on the original Fresno State Bulldog logo, he wears a little dog tag around Mm -hmm. his neck. And in the middle of that dog tag is a green V. That stands for the valley because that's that valley green collar work ethic i think now i'm realizing that's a green collar thing who knows I like whatever green it is that, it's, I, i've always hated that you only have blue or white i mean love of course we love blue yeah. and white because we're north carolina but i wish i could be like carolina blue collar you know what i mean maybe that's my yeah thing. maybe that's well, my tent that's what i tell you can people. be yeah that's your that's your new spin <laughs> zone so go to hey, congrats to the dogs yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just feel like uh, I, I really have no idea how we got to this point, but um, here we are. <laughs> and let's be Georgia Tech. And it's a 40-year decision, not a four-year decision. Yes. Go out there and be the one this week. Yeah, go be the one, everybody. Charlie will be at the game. Go hang out with him, and let's go Tar Heels. See you next week. Hey,